Welcome to Uncool Music Conversations with Andy and Art. I am Andy. And I'm Art. So, welcome to our new show. And this is a brand new podcast of two dudes that live in Dayton, and we just kind of want to cover. First and foremost, you've come to our podcast, so maybe we should answer for the people, why should we be here? So, what do you say, Art? Absolutely, Andy. Why care? Mm -hmm. Why actually pay attention to yet another Mm -hmm. music podcast? There are so many. Yeah, one of the challenges I had when we were trying to put this together was, if you just look up local music or music shows, all the names are taken. It reminds me of that episode of Futurama where they, they had to find a name for Poplars, and that was the only name that was available for anything. Well, I'm over here laughing because I think we must have tried dozens of names... And we kept, oh, well, wait, no, that doesn't sound good. Oh, well, that's a great name. Oh, it's Taken. Mm -hmm. So many of the names are Taken. Mm -hmm. You can come up with lots of great ideas for a music podcast title, Mm -hmm. but the title should represent what you're about. Mm -hmm. The title should also not already be copywritten Mm -hmm. by someone else. The lawyers get really, really angry when you take someone else's property. It's one of those TMs, you know, trademark deals. I mean, it's like it's like a blue phone booth in England, right? Like, you know, it, it existed forever, but now someone trademarked it for Doctor Who there, Dr. J. So there we go. <laughs> As they should. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are only, well, no, there's more than one kind of police box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beyond the TARDIS. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna need a minute here, Andy, to process this. But of course, we have hit upon a name. Yep, yep. We uh we went back and forth, and, and no, for to our listeners who are here and to our watchers who are, I'm just pointing in a general direction right now, uh, because we are on DATV where they record us and they also record us, and we get recorded twice. Just FYI, but we went back and forth. We kept thinking about uh, I I must have gone through at least twenty names of things like okay, well, what about this local? Well, local's not going to work, and this is not going to local work. And so eventually, you came up with an idea. So where'd you come up with your idea, and what does it mean for you? Well, what I decided to do was take an idea from the great music critic Lester Bangs. Now, let's also be honest. Mm -hmm. Most people know Lester Bangs from a movie. Okay. Right? They they know Lester Bangs as played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, right, in (laughs) Almost Famous. Almost Famous. (laughs) Right? The idea of this writer who's overly committed to music journalism and music criticism. Cream Magazine, if I remember correctly. Lester wrote for lots of different magazines, actually. He's mostly known for Cream, for (laughs) writing a few things in Crawdaddy, and, of course, for a while, at least Rolling Stone, until he had a falling out with his editors. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But the idea here is a simple one, uncool music conversations. Mm -hmm. So Lester Bangs has this great quote, the only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone when you're uncool. Yeah, and so that was kind of the conversation for those who are listening right now. It's, uh, we... We realize that we, well, we'll be honest, we're uncool guys. There's no two ways about that. Like, we both have partners. One of us is married. You know, like, like we, we do okay for ourselves. But when it comes right down to it, what is uncool? Uncool is having passion and not really caring who cares about that passion, quite honestly. So I, if sometimes I'll call him Dr. J because he is literally a doctor of philosophy. I am, I am Mr. A for the time being because I am currently a doctoral student working on Become Doctor. So originally we're going to do a Doctor Who theme, but when it's two doctors, it makes absolutely no sense. So we opted to do the uncool. So if we wander off and talk about nerdy stuff, well, welcome to uncool music conversations because you'll notice our passion, you'll notice our love, and you'll also notice that we 
kind of do have a little bit of credibility, though. So, uh, you know, Art, would you like to go and start with your background on this by chance? Absolutely, Andy. I've been doing a radio program, your Tuesday afternoon alternative, for 17 years on WUDR Flyer Radio. It's the radio station at the University of Dayton. And the idea behind the show was to talk about local music, alternative music, unique music that isn't on the proverbial top 40, right? It's not mm. at the top of the charts. It's not the music that is being pushed by a major record label mm. or has all of the big names. It's not part of what we might call the superstar economy. Mm -hmm. The economist Alan Kruger has a terrific book called Rockonomics, right? Mm. What, a, what a great title. <laughs> and in that book, he talks about what he calls a superstar economy, that there's only so much energy or effort or, if you will, oxygen in the room. Mm -hmm. And what happens is the industry focuses on the same artists, mm -hmm. right? The same songwriters, the same producers. Mm -hmm. And what Kruger's talking about is that there's an insularity to the music industry. Mm -hmm. So the average music listener mm -hmm. doesn't hear songs or music from the thousands of artists who have created music over the course of a year, mm -hmm. they only hear the same names over and over and over again mm -hmm. because of that focus in that particular music market. Mm -hmm. What I try to do with the program, with our radio show, is to actually focus on music that you don't hear in other places. Mm -hmm. That is a lot of music that's being created by local creatives, local musicians, mm -hmm. local groups. Yep. And in fact, I'm not alone in doing that. I believe you did that even before me, Andy. Technically speaking so, for those who can't tell by our voices, I am younger than Art uh, by probably <laughs> a decade and a half, two decades, which which is fine. I really don't care. He's a great guy. But here's the thing. I'm actually the precursor to uh, Art's show. I was under a different name for those that are listening. You're like, oh, what about that show? It was The Local Show. And I was the host of the local show. I promised I would never reveal what that old name was just because I had a lot of fans that liked it. Uh, some people still call me it from time to time. I went by a different name, but I started out the local show. Uh, before me, there was a show called uh, Joe's Garage that existed in Dayton, but for the most part, which is where most of our music is. But before that, I don't know if there was anything because it was local scene. Now, for, between a mixture of I really liked the idea of a local scene being developed and also the the uh, um, shameless self-promotion I was doing for my own band at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, totally local music. But I found that it was a niche area that wasn't really being met. And so I was like, okay, this scene, the Dayton scene, a very strong scene. If you're not from the Dayton region or if you're listening, you know, somewhere in the world, or maybe up in the up in outer space, if I'm that uncool right now, <laughs> uh, that, that listening to this know that the Dayton scene is a very good, strong, vibrant scene. Has been as long as I've been around. Has been through the '70s. Funk was largely founded in Dayton, right? But there wasn't a local outlet, and other than the music scene, physically in bars, the Oregon District and the music are together. So I said. Well, I'll, I'll do that. Additionally, I can find really interesting people. They'll be more than happy to put their music on my show. And so I spent a lot of time basically being that weirdo on the back of a concert somewhere going, hmm, you know, with like, like a tie on going like, hmm, I wonder if they're good enough for my show. And I'm, I'm from North Dayton. So the music scene up there was young, the, it, which was my age at that time. The music scene was young. It was vibrant and it was full of a bunch of really misfit folks who just really wanted to get an outlet. So I decided to create uh, the local show on WDR. And so there we go. Well, and that's <laughs> an important point, Andy, that there is great music <laughs> 
coming out of Dayton, but there's also great music wherever somebody calls home. Yeah, exactly. It's just that the industry is structured to focus on the big name or the mm -hmm. hit album or the hit song. Yep. And what you did with the local show, <laughs> what I do with your Tuesday afternoon alternative, is to try in some small way draw attention mm -hmm. to unique, alternative, and especially local and regional music. Yeah. Now, we're not only going to talk about local or Dayton music Done. on this podcast. Nope. We're going to talk about quite a bit yeah. in terms of a range mm -hmm. of music, but it's also important to acknowledge that what motivated you and I mm -hmm. was that there was such a fertile music scene in Dayton. Yep. <laughs> you like heavy metal. There's great metal. Yes, you like hip-hop. There's great hip-hop. Yep. Folk, Americana, country, indie, alternative, spoken word. There's electronic. Funk soul, <laughs> neo-soul, <laughs> electronic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All Absolutely. Of it's, it's, it's a weird, for those who are not from the Dayton area listening to this podcast, just know that the DYT, as we call it, and I have no idea where it came from. I'm, I, <laughs> I was born in, the, I was literally born in the city of Dayton. I have no idea. I guess we just removed the vowels and said, keep the, keep the rest, I guess. Um, but it was, although it's sometimes why, so I guess that sometimes is there, right? But we, but for whatever reason, the Dayton area, for lots of reasons we're going to talk about in a future episode, most likely, uh, it's just this interesting little area where so much happens. Like the Wright brothers are from Dayton, right? Like the Casterages was built there. Like the the automotive industry was huge here. We don't know why, but it doesn't matter. It's fertile ground for creation and ideas that is overlooked nationally. And so one of the reasons we decided to create this show as a podcast, not to make ourselves look awesome, because again, we're <laughs> uncool, but because we just really liked the idea of expanding our audience beyond the Dayton region, because we both did local radio shows. I did I did UDR and WWSU, both of which have a, a college bandwidth of eh, maybe the city and not even the whole of the city. So what do you think about future episodes there, Dr. J? Well, first of all, <laughs> We're cool, dang it. Uh, we wish. <laughs> so, so okay, may, maybe we're cool in our own minds. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even sell myself on that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I tried. I tried really hard, but it just didn't take. Future episodes are going to cover a really wide gamut. We're going to talk about some of our favorite records, but mm -hmm. you know what? You don't want to just tune into or watch or listen to another show where people are like, you need to only listen to this but rather use those as jumping off points mm -hmm. for discussing music. We're going to have local musicians come in and share their creative process mm -hmm. with us. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about films, documentaries. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about, well, almost everything when it comes to music creation, mm -hmm. music experience, mm -hmm. music performance. Yep. So really there is no major topic that is considered off the table yeah, or yeah. not not something that, that we could address. Mm -hmm. I think there's an awful lot for us to unpack, even in terms of the influence of certain regional and local bands, oh, yeah. whether we're talking about, say, like a Brainiac mm -hmm. or Guided by Voices or The Breeders. But then there's also bands that are coming up or performers that are creating music today that we'd like to draw listeners' attention to or viewers' attention to. Oh, yeah. And I think that's important. Mm -hmm. But then there are also things happening in the music industry yeah. that affect how we experience music. Mm -hmm. Regardless of where, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just the fact, for example, that there's so much music being shared on TikTok. Yes. Or YouTube mm -hmm. or Instagram. Of course, Twitter is a wild west for, for exploration there. 
But I think it's important that we acknowledge at the outset that we're going to talk about a lot of different kinds of music, but we're also going to talk about a lot of different kinds of performers. We're going to, whenever possible, bring these performers into the podcast and into our program so that they can share directly with listeners how and why they create the music they create. Mm, I think that's the key point because here, here's the thing for anybody who's been a musician and again, <laughs> shameless self-promotion was part of the reason I did this. I, I'm not in a band anymore though. So it's, it's, I literally, I spent most of the time just enjoying being part of this, right? But the passion behind it is really what mm. makes it. I, and that's the thing. So I'm not trying to go too nerdy, although, again, uncool music conversations, right? Uh, if you talk about individuals who are writers and philosophers like Adorno, for example, or, or various other people that are highly critical of, of the mass media realm because it is built for consumption. And we got beyond mm. consumption to the point where it's just you buy things to buy things or to have things in your phone that are just in your phone. It has gone beyond the point of actually being able to use it. Then it turns into, it, with all due respect to those that are listening that are probably fans of the show, uh, if you have a whole thing of vinyl and you've only listened to like maybe one shelf of that vinyl, you bought that to look cool. You didn't buy that to listen mm. to it. You bought that to look cool. And that's fine. I'm not, it, it, I have lots of things that I buy just to have them. I have lots of books I've never finished, right? But the point is, it's the passion for it that's part of it. So the consumer culture kind of kills the passion. And as I said on a show recently, uh, I, I believe it was, it was, I was talking to one of Dr. J's students. After like two albums, it's a job. So mm -hmm. it's a thing to think about, right? So. Mm. Well, you raise a really good point there <laughs> because if you're buying something, because you want to be able to say you bought it, mm -hmm. but you never really listen to it deeply. You don't step back and say, okay, what's going on here? Or why does this move me? Or what's, mm -hmm. what's really exciting about this? And you spend a lot of time talking about, well, but I have this. Yeah. Right? It's sort of like I have that album or I have that song or I have that whatever the item might be. It, yeah. And it may not even be music related. Yep. But you just want to tell people you have it because that gives you credibility or gives you some sense yeah. of authenticity. Hmm. Well, that's not authenticity. No, that is that is just straight up try, uh, trying to look cool. Mm. I mean, we're, we're, this is probably the – we might as well call this the new episode, which is trying to be cool. Well, time <laughs> because, and here's the thing. Like I, I am not hating on that. The, the industry as it is. Would, would not exist, whether it be underground or above ground. I was always focused on underground music because that was more the passion side, right? But that doesn't mean the big names don't also care. That's why you have people like David Bowie, with all his faults, who would often switch. Like, he, he had different personas that mm -hmm. he switched around because he would get bored with himself, essentially, and say, you know what? I, I've, I've hit this. It's time to change the music style. And I here's the thing. You can be super passionate and never change style and have good music. You can pull that off. But for the most part, you have to say, okay... I've done that. I could do it again for money, or I could say, let's change mm -hmm. it up. Um, as a, one of my favorite examples is Red Hot Chili Peppers, and to use a, more, a bigger name, because they've been around since the late 80s, early 90s, but every so often they come out with a new album and just switch everything around. Even better example, to use big names, so people have reference to what we're going to be talking about during this show, uh, would probably have been the Beastie Boys, which unfortunately, mm -hmm. one of the members is That's gone. That's a good example. Yeah, they, because they would, they would spend like seven or eight years. Like, different shows make fun of that, because that... And they would spend seven, sometimes upwards, I think upwards of a decade sometimes, because they didn't want to do the same album twice. And if they, it's, and so sometimes they were way ahead of their own time, but they were still today, like, uh, what's the name of that one where it was all the names of the, like, they, they, 
oh, I forget the name of it, but there's one particular album where they had basically just taken all these riffs before the legality of it and just put them into one album, and it turned, and it was way ahead of its time. And at, But after that, after they figured that part out, then they just wait another 10 years to do something different. So, yeah, there we go. Well, and that's an important point. It's not like you have to constantly change. If you're constantly changing to just constantly change, yeah, you're you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. What I liked about Bowie, there are many things I loved about David Bowie, but what I especially liked about Bowie is that he wanted to keep it fresh and interesting and exciting yeah. for himself mm-hmm. as an artist, as a creator, as mm-hmm. a musician. Yep. And of course... If you you know David Bowie, you know how amazingly theatrical he could be. Oh, yeah. And how different those personas were. Mm -hmm. And he made that change in no small part to make the art more interesting for himself. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I think that's really interesting. And one of the reasons why his art and his music stands the test of time so well Mm -hmm. is because of that effort to create and to push the boundaries Mm. of what he could do and how he could do it and how he could present it on stage or in video or whatever the format might be. Mm -hmm. And that becomes such an impressive body of work for other artists who come after or even artists who were working at the same time Mm -hmm. to look to Bowie as inspiration, even if he was doing something wildly different than what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So that so much time is dedicated towards being uncool and making it cool. Some people can pull that off. Like, you know, mm. I, I mean, you, we're going to use style for a moment. By the way, for those who are, who are wondering, yes, this is oftentimes what the show is going to be. Us saying, huh, that's interesting. Let's talk about that for a moment. Welcome to academics. Anyways, uh, but <laughs> but every once in a while you run to someone who just like, it, I, I literally went to a show here in Dayton one time. It was in the most decrepit building. Mm. It was someone... It was, uh, it was a, it wasn't, uh, Dead Tooth was there from remember correctly. I forget who it was I was there for <laughs> specifically, but I, but I am there and a buddy of mine who used to be here in the Dayton area who was also a DJ and we just go to the show, right? It's a laptop piece of crap house. And, <laughs> and we're, we're there and we go, Aber Tooth Lincoln, that's what it was. Anyways, but we go down and this guy, no joke, he was, he, he was singing, um, a, a Rod Stewart song and my heart's be free tonight. All right. So not, not the most metal out song ever, right? <laughs> this dude was wearing, no joke, a Bengal tiger like leotard thing that covered his whole body. And all he's doing is having the like the karaoke version of this going in the back room with one microphone and he actually changes his costume into that in the middle of the performance. But he, I, I wish I could recreate the sound of what he was doing. It was so like, just like, let's hot, be free tonight. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, and I'm just like, I can't, this is the lamest thing I've ever seen, but it's also the most awesome thing I've ever seen. And that, I think, the weirdos of the Dayton region are what really kind of make this scene, and ideally the show, the thing that makes it just pop out. So that's kind of something to think about as we move on to... There's our experiences there, Dr. J, or Art. I'm sorry, I'll switch between the two on those. He'll call me Andrew from time to time. Uh, Could happen. Yeah, but here's here's the thing. So we're, we've talked about our experience. We've talked about uh, what are some future episodes we're talking. Let's make sure we cover that before we move on to the next thing here. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Andy. It's important to give you guys a sense of the roadmap, as it were. Like, what, what are we going to talk about? Well, there are several groups 
that I am dying to talk to to Andy about. <laughs> I, I especially like the fact that he mentioned Abertooth Lincoln. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that not too long ago released a really terrific record. There was the Mother's Coming single, oh, yeah. which which I think continued kind of their musical evolution and development. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in our future. I think the significance of Brainiac mm-hmm. is important. There, there'd be no Nine Inch Nails without Brainiac. Oh, there'd yeah. be... So many groups who took inspiration directly and indirectly from from Brainiac. And I don't want to talk about them just because they're from Dayton. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about them because of the music they created and how different it was, Mm -hmm. how energetic it was. Mm -hmm. Then moving from that, I think it's important that we talk about the difficulties and challenges in creating a record. Oh, yeah. Everybody seems to think that, that oh, the band shows up at the studio and everybody plugs in their instruments and one, two, three, four. Done. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. One take. <laughs> it doesn't work that way and there's so much mm. mystique yeah, yeah. or there's so much that, that's hidden from view. Mm. I, I teach a class related to popular music and students will leave that class saying, I had no idea that's how music was made or really, really, I don't want to say like I'm cool and I'm blowing minds, but (laughs) I'm trying to be cool and I'm trying to blow minds. Eh. (laughs) You're you're kind of there. (laughs) Okay, fair fair point. But the students um, get get a much more accurate sense, even even if it's filtered through my lens. Gotcha. I, I also think some of the things that we will talk about in the future will we'll deal with, with things like music and lyrics. Oh, yeah. I also think we need to talk about funk music. We are Absolutely. in Dayton, Ohio. We got to talk about funk music. Mm-hmm. We will talk about technology and how that influences how people experience music. Oh, yeah. I referenced earlier TikTok and YouTube and things like that. And, of course, that's nowhere near the, the full laundry list. But there are so many different ways in which people experience music. Another topic related to that is the fact that musical experience has become so individualized. Mm -hmm. You put on the earbuds or the Beats headphones or whatever, and you don't really share music. Mm -hmm. Another topic for us in the future is going to even be related to the return of vinyl. Oh, yeah. The resurgence of vinyl. Yep. (laughs) Gosh, I I feel like at this point, I should let you say a few words, Andy, about some things we might talk about. This Uh has become the art show starring art with special guest art. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. uh, First off, I I let you roll with that because we, we, uh, y'all, I'm I'm just telling you, I'm using y'all because I come from the the urban, sorry, the rural region of DYT, right? But uh, but I just like using y'all. Anyways, uh, but, but, but when we would riff these ideas, is I, I would say, okay, all right, here's this one, this one, this, this one. And he's like, okay, cool. And I'm like, and you're like, he would be like, this one, this one, this one. And I'm like, cool. And I, I'm no joke, everyone. So again, we're doing a podcast. We have to do these in seasons and we have to do them in reasonable seasons. So we're not going to hit like 20 in one season. That is unreasonable and unseasonable. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. However, because we are so dedicated to local scenes, we'll mm. probably be, we'll probably save the like, here's random conversation for the, when we can't get someone to show up, quite honestly. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be a good conversation, right? So things like music and lyrics, which we're going to talk about uh, in our second episode if not later in this episode we're going to be talking about that because it's what is the difference music and well aren't those the same yes and no because i will tell you as someone who's a musician the art of put not this art but the art of putting in i enjoyed it it. (laughs) 
this art right here talking about but but the art of putting lyrics into a drum and bass sound is mm -hmm. a much more difficult process mm -hmm. than people know about art knows a lot i i know from practical application plus djs and so this first episode it has and will be because we're not finished just yet dedicated to like what do we have to talk about and why do we have to talk about it? and again why should you care well let's remind you because i i teach public speaking for a living right so so as a reminder we are going to be talking about things that have to do with music style why why should you care what is the passion of this and and I, i'd say the thing that really makes us stick out is just we're two kind of nerdy dudes who we're just at, we're maybe a little bit more because we did the radio thing mm -hmm. or you do the radio thing but we're, we're kind of just average dudes who just really enjoy the subject uh dr j over here art I'll call them both, uh, are here. Uh, I, you come from Minnesota originally, if I'm correct. I do. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, why did you go into radio in the first place, my fr my good friend? Well, I feel like you you really teed me up there, Andy. <laughs> now, 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 let's see how far that ball goes. I, I was painfully shy yeah. in high school. I, I, I was voted, you know, all those terrible categories, shyest person, mm. most likely to marry the first person that they, you know, oh gosh, it's, it's so embarrassing. Rough back in the day, bro. <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm sharing this with, with people, but, but no, I really had difficulties in terms of relating to other people. I have still today a stutter. Mm -hmm. It was really bad mm. when I was younger and I needed to develop a device to help me communicate. Mm -hmm. I needed to develop a way to manage mm -hmm. how I communicate. Yeah. And I show up at college. Mm -hmm. This is actually the one of the first student club meetings I go to. I don't even think I've been on campus a week yet. Mm -hmm. I loved music. Mm -hmm. My dad was a DJ. Okay. He did some classes after being injured on the job mm. and couldn't continue with that particular line of, of work. He ended up at a community college where he took classes in radio production cool. and started being a country music DJ. Mm -hmm. And that led him into a kind of different career path for a while. And I, I thought it was so cool to be able to listen to my dad on the radio mm -hmm. and I noticed how he presented himself, mm -hmm. and he sounded different on the radio. Oh, of yeah. course, he brought in a baritone yeah. <laughs> and spoke in a very particular way, but his diction was excellent. His knowledge, he, he was in a really interesting situation where he spoke about music that, that he did a lot of research on. Yeah. He knew some of the acts. He really wanted to prepare, Yeah, and that... All interested me, the knowledge, the presentation, just the idea of being around music. I grew up in a family where music was everywhere. Yeah. My mom had, from her California upbringing, music from the Birds and the uh, Beatles and the Beach Boys and mm. Jan and Dean and, gosh, um, all these Laurel Canyon acts, right? You know, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and Crosby, Stills and Nash and... My dad had all these country music things. Or, mm. Of course, they, they both agreed on the brilliance of Elvis Presley. Of course. <laughs> something that we probably should unpack in a future episode. Yeah. You know, uh, even even given some of the challenges and racism around what Elvis oh, did. Oh, yeah, that's that's going to be a whole topic. Woo! I'll tell you that right now. As a, as a side note, I'm actually very distantly related to Elvis, apparently. Uh, my family does not mention that they're actually related to the guy. But, oh, really? But Presley's are 
of my family. If you think there's more than one Presley family, I'd be strongly surprised if I'm being honest. So there we go. <laughs> well, to make a long story short, I had my dad as an inspiration, and I knew I needed to develop skills mm -hmm. to help me communicate yeah. and to get over being shy mm -hmm. and to get over. I had agoraphobia. Mm -hmm. I had a whole host of challenges and I didn't want to be that guy anymore. Yeah. I didn't mind that guy, mm -hmm. but that guy couldn't talk to people. Mm -hmm. He was in the back of the class. So I took a public speaking class. Ah. I took <laughs> some courses in communication yeah. and I thought, well, what else can I do? I love music. There is a radio station here at the university, and it's student-run, mm -hmm. major plus. Mm -hmm. And so I show up at a meeting, and like the next day, they're, they're like, okay, we'll give you a show. You're going to do the 7 to 9 a.m. show, or I, I think it was okay. something even worse. <laughs> I think it was like 6 to 9 or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, the, the first time I go in, like, I'm terrified. I vaguely know what I'm doing. I have mm. a sense of how it should work. I get a 10-minute lesson on the board, and I discover that I love it. Good. I mess up a lot. Of course. <laughs> I, I make a lot of mistakes. But I notice over time yeah. my presentation of self, yeah. how I speak, and knowing that I have a stutter, I find myself being able to shut it down, mm -hmm. being able to manage it a little better. Oh, yeah. Of course, I still get excited, and then that's when the Spoonerism comes out. That's yeah, yeah. where you move letters of words around and Makes things sense. like that. <laughs> so I still will always have some of those dynamics, but I have found devices and techniques to manage that. Mm. That's one of the reasons why I did radio. And I loved radio so much that other than taking some time off to have kids and some time off to work on the dissertation, something that you can relate to, Andy. Yep, definitely. Yep, yep. <laughs> I have always done radio. I've mm. actually been involved in radio. This is this is really frightening. Since 1983. Ooh, okay, that's before I was born. There, Art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th thanks for rubbing that in, Andy. You're very I, welcome. <laughs> really appreciate that, my friend. Uh, I'm saying you're well seasoned, <laughs> sir. You are well seasoned. <laughs> wonder, wonder if I could do this gig on my own. Uh, <laughs> But no, 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 no. I, I love having you here, man. Please know that I'm just kidding. Of course, of course. I wonder if that's going to, if anyone's going to write in, like, I'm, I'm really worried about Art and Andy. <laughs> they seem to be fighting about random things. Uh, so, you know what? I appreciate this whole thing here, Art. So, you know, it's, it's, I talked about this recently because, again, I talked to some of your students, but, you know, what, what Dave Grohl basically said about, garage bands right mm. is the whole and by the way i just found this out recently apparently the foo fighters just got inducted into the hall of fame uh up in cleveland which is mm -hmm. in the same state um i've only been to once forever ago anyways uh but he was very big on all right so the best way to to start a band is just grab your friends and start playing crappy music in a garage that was <laughs> it's like it, like if you want to use the word he didn't use the word uncool heck it works here use your passion be uncool just just suck he did use the word suck suck for a while and then after a while you'll notice oh hey wait a minute we don't suck so much and then you start getting better and then you start getting better and eventually you turn into he specifically was referring to nirvana which mm. he was part of late in their time mm -hmm. not and because mm -hmm. they had a lot of drummers before he showed mm -hmm. up right he was the last one which is why he was inducted into the hall of fame right but that's the thing was that was the whole you start with the passion you work through the 
the the hard part. And honestly, I would say for this show, for those who actually care are still listening at this point, I don't know where are we at time wise. There, we're doing great. We're, we're doing, doing great. great. Okay, so is 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 that which is we are going to be the average folks that happen to enjoy this and have a little bit of history. We're not music historians. It's not that's not our academic field. Uh, but we are going to be focusing on. Why should this be something interesting? And, you know, we're going to probably be a little slightly elitist here and there. Welcome to, you know, that situation. But I'm a first-generation uh, college graduate, so that's, you know, I'm, I grew up in a pretty blue-collar family. And so if you think this is going to be an elitist show with, you know, two darn academics, no. We're just two average dudes who just happen to enjoy what we do. And so, you know... What do you think, Art? Do you think we should uh, keep going for a while? Do you think we should talk about music and lyrics on this one? I'm dying to ask you the question that you asked me. Absolutely. (laughs) Why do radio? What is it about radio? Or or, or for that matter, what is it about this particular podcast that's of interest to you? Why, Why do... All of these avenues, radio, podcasting, mm-hmm. and so on, that's connected to music. Oh, yeah. Why did you get started? How did you get started? Okay, so, uh, well, I'm not, I don't have as good as a story as I had a stutter, so I had to work on it. Um, but uh, for me, it's, okay, if I was more religious than I am, I'd say I was called to it. That, that's mm-hmm. not my way of thinking, though. If I were to focus more on it, it's more I enjoyed making music because it just, it was fun. Honestly, just a fun thing. I I started playing music when I was uh, ten years old. I started playing with. I was a violinist, and then I became a. I started playing double bass, that big one you see in orchestras, for the videos, big one in orchestras. Um, and then then I I just kind of fell off because I just wasn't into it that much anymore. Because it, when you have to play in an orchestra, it's it's pre-made music, right? But I did find that I liked playing bass guitar. And so, mm. and I, I really liked the live performance aspect. I liked be, I, I'm not really an attention hound. Some people might say I am, but I'm not really an attention hound. I just have a certain level of nervous energy that just kind of, I make work. And so I enjoyed performing for people and I really enjoyed creating new music. And I, like, <laughs> when I was a teenager, the, one of my favorite things was like, this is before you could record everything at home, by the way. Like this, this is the days where you had to find someone was a dedicated mm-hmm. studio. But my favorite things was, hey, let's just record wherever we have. And they're like, dude, we can't do that because this isn't very good. I'm like, I don't care. I really want to. Like I was that guy, right? I just like the idea of taking my sound, building it, building upon it, going from there. And so when I got to college, I, I was an untraditional student for a while. I started at traditional time, but I just kind of stretched it out is the best way I could express it. And uh, eventually I... <laughs> <laughs> no joke. I was in a, a Phi Mu Alpha Symphonia, which, uh, and I got kicked out of it eventually, so don't look for me on a roster somewhere. Uh, but I was in Phi Mu Alpha Symphonia for a while at the University of Dayton. And uh, I, I, right across from where my frat house was, is where the WUDR is. And one of my uh, quote unquote frat brothers was like, was there. And I don't know how the conversation happened specifically, but it came down to, hey, man. Uh, would you be interested in this? Or like, I was like, I think I might be interested. Mm. So I asked him questions and I just showed up for this random thing. And I wasn't a University of Dayton student. I was a Sinclair student at that point. And I'm just like, you know what? I uh, I think I'm going to do this. And so I showed up for the meeting. And I, I had, from that point forward, I had this thing. I would watch MXC, Most Extreme Challenge. I would go down, I would eat uh, the Funky Gobbler, which was a, like a sandwich on, on a bagel. I'd bring my drink, which but which my drink and my food was always 666. I'm like, oh, oh hail Satan, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then I would go to there. And so I got into, I, I, it's one of these things that was one thing to another. Mm-hmm. I just liked, and, I, and the thing that I really like, and this is the passion that keeps me doing it, I think, is the not just the camaraderie, but the, the, the things that music can bring about are much 
more powerful than we'd like to talk about. Revolutions are built off of music and stories. You know, when you're talking about Bob, Bob Dylan, okay, Bob Dylan today is like, oh man, that guy, his voice was never good. Like, it, 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 people refer to this all the time. Uh, I was listening to, uh, I, I was watching a movie recently that had to do with a um, uh, Coda. It's called Coda. It's on Apple, Apple Plus. We're getting no money from them, but it's on Apple Plus right now. Um, and it's it's this woman who, or this, well, she's a girl, who's in high school, and she is the only hearing person in her deaf family. Mm. And uh, and it's this whole thing, how she goes into music and then goes off to Juilliard. It's it's, it's kind of fantastical, but it's a good, it's a good story, right? But the thing that's mentioned by a music teacher is, are you so are you like Bob Dylan? She's like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, Bob Dylan, uh, his son had referred to him as he was like sandpaper and glue, because mm. he, because he because he, name 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 that whole thing. I mean, it's the words are good. We'll talk about that next episode. The words are good. <laughs> the, the the singing wasn't so great. But what made although that? yeah <laughs> although okay, this is this is really where we start to show some differences here, here. Some differences are going to come out here, I think, a little bit. Because it, it depends. Yep. If you listen to early Dylan versus different stages of, of his career, okay. he can sound entirely different. Mm. Dylan in the 80s is much more slickly produced yeah. than, say, early Dylan or even you know, stuff that he's doing now or more recently with like yeah. blues and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm also going to argue okay. in, in future podcasts that <laughs> singers with not technically perfect or what we might say as good voices oh, yeah. can actually be even more compelling mm -hmm. and more powerful because their voices don't fit our predetermined understanding of what a good voice is supposed to be. You do have a valid point. Now, now, now here's the thing. I'll still disagree with you. I still don't think Bob Dylan's all that great. Like, I'm sorry. He's not, right? That's that's my take. It, we'll find about that later. We'll talk about it later, but he blew out his voice at some point, I'm pretty sure. Moving forward. Uh, but <laughs> By the way, if you ever run into a musician who still has their voice after 30 years, they had taken a lot of effort into that. It, mm -hmm. it, it is... I, I My voice from the time... I, I, I actually have more of a metal voice than I used to. I, when I was a teenager, I wanted to do metal so bad, but my voice just wasn't developed. It took a little life experience mm -hmm. to really kind of get that low resonance that that uh, mm -hmm. that energy it takes to get there some people can do it young i could not but m my point behind that all that is this i still argue 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 that it is the passion of bob dylan that made him what he is his later music is fine but when you but he was you know, i guess i haven't heard much of it but his early stuff is really the stuff that sticks like sandpaper and glue because because it just happens to be Something that really kind of, he spoke to a generation about some issues they cared about. So I personally, for the next one we'll talk about, what it is I, I care much more of, the music has to be there, but I'm much more of a lyric guy. Mm -hmm. But I'm also a person who works with words, and so that's something that I focus on. What is your thought on that there, Art? Well, I, I'm a huge lyrics guy. Yeah. I, I also am a huge melody person. Yeah. I, I need a lot of melody. Without a lot of melody, I start to lose interest. And now, now the melody could be the vocal. Oh, it yeah. could be the guitar, the drums, the bass. Could be you know keyboards. It could be the way certain instruments are playing off of each other. It's interesting. I just left this morning a symposium on funk music uh -huh. here in Dayton that, that was organized by Sharon Grotto, who is the Grawl Chair at the University of Dayton, my my, my fair uh, home mm -hmm. here in terms of what we say is the day job. Oh, yeah. And 
It was really interesting. One of the points that a panelist made was that there are several funk musicians who still sound good. Yeah. 40 years later, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Many years later. But to your point, Andy, they had to work really hard to protect yeah, their instrument. Yeah, yep. But but what what's also interesting is how so many funk musicians don't have what's considered a technically perfect voice. Yes. <laughs> and so for for me, yeah, I'm a lyrics guy. The I don't need everything to rhyme. I don't mean yeah. I, I need pentamic. You know, it, yeah, I, 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 I don't need that kind of structure, but I need something to hang my hat on, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And even if someone doesn't have a technically perfect voice, as certain musicologists would define a good voice, yeah, yeah, I do think that that if it's passionate, like you're saying, mm-hmm. and if it's saying something meaningful or authentic or real, oh, yeah. not what I would say or what you would say or yeah. what listeners or viewers would say, yep. but they're saying something that's to them yeah. important, mm-hmm. I can get sucked into that, you know, like 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 a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the lyrics to me build a narrative, like you were saying, they build a story, Mm -hmm. or at least they have the capacity to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm also a big fan of music that makes absolutely no sense. I think of like Seeger Ross, or I think of, (laughs) you know, the the police back in the day, you know, the do-da-da, you know, (laughs) I think you can be playful (laughs) and still say something interesting. Of course. But but I also think that, that one of the first things I notice is how the lyric works with the instruments. That's the primary. How the music yep, yep. <laughs> flows around the lyrics and vice versa. It's, yeah. Because it, it's like a dance, isn't it? Uh, pretty, I, w- I would argue yes. Uh, another thing I will mention too is like I, I, my, some of my favorite songs, and you only find this in certain genres for the most mm. part, sometimes outside of it, but mostly certain genres, are, is music that doesn't actually say anything. Like it's it, it, it like it, it, sometimes it's not even words like there's no words to speak of it but it's just the way that the music is put together I I um I will have to look up the name of the they're an Australian group that they have a song called Underwater and in you in listening to the song the first time you're like man this sounds so authentic and so amazing and then I looked up the lyrics and guess what. All they keep saying is underwater like fifteen zillion times, but they, <laughs> but they, but the way that they did it was the music and yeah, they're yeah. one of these like very kind of indie but also very electronicy bands where they're like throwing sound into mm-hmm. with it in the, in the music video it helps because water flows, uh, but it, it it builds a narrative through sound. Therefore, I'd argue it's kind of a lyric itself, but it, but you you build into it a tone that then brings in the person yeah. and as the as the movie Music and Lyrics talks about, which I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I have, and, actually. Yeah, yeah, I saw it one time a long time ago, but it, it's one moment made me think about this conversation, like, well, the, mu- the music is, like, being all good-looking, but, but the lyrics are what really is the substance of the person. And so that's why I tend to be more lyric-heavy. Although mm. I'll tell you up front, sometimes people just... They're just they're just talking about things they care about, which is fine and it's passionate. But they're also like there's a certain level of like you don't care about your audience that I have a problem with sometimes. Um, and I don't you don't. It's not I'm not saying change what you're saying. I'm just saying present it in a way that's more interesting than just talking into a microphone about the things <laughs> that I care about. That's track one. Track two. Let's talk about the next thing that I care about because that turns into you're removing the music. You're just you're just words. Which can work if you're uh, if you have to be John Lennon, for example, and saying number nine over and over again. 
but that that's of that was like one track and no one remembers much of his work other than like certain things from that period of time for that reason so what's your thoughts well no no i <laughs> i think you raise a really good point and and lennon's a great illustration of that that, that you could make something beautiful out of just assembled noise. Oh, yeah. Right, almost Philip Glass-esque mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how you pull these different strands together. Now, of course, there are people who are like, give me Imagine, or let's talk about Revolution, or Julia, if you're looking at the White Album, oh, or yeah. that era of the Beatles. But what, what I love about Lennon, much like what I love about Bowie, is that effort to... Do things that interest the artist, where they're following the muse, whatever that muse might be, whether it's musically, whether it's lyrically, whether it's paying homage to the artist that influenced you, like John Lennon, I think, of the rock and roll record. Oh, yeah. But but I think there's this real interesting interplay of always being creative in a way that excites you as an artist where you want to go into the studio and you want to create something that is new, even if it's just new to you, oh, yeah. as opposed to doing the same thing yeah. over and over, oh, right? So so I, I, I see I, I see your point, even if I'm going to fight you on some of those okay. Dylan okay, arguments. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> we'll, come, we'll come back to that later. We'll come back to that. But, but you do mention Bob Dylan. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> I need to mention the fact that so many artists are selling their music catalog like Bob Dylan. Yeah. And I think he <laughs> sold his to Universal Music for something, estimations of like 400 million. I don't have the contract right here, uh, Andy. Yeah. I wasn't part of those negotiations. <laughs> they really should have brought me in. Oversight on their part. Yeah. But but then you also have members of Fleetwood Mac, of course, of course. You know, notably Stevie Nicks, mm-hmm. who's written a fair number of great compositions. You've got a whole host of others. Neil Young, that's a surprising one. The John Lennon estate, Mm. that surprises me. Dire Straits, Shakira, to to, to use a more contemporary reference. Thank you. (laughs) And then, of course, then there's the one that shocks me, Mm -hmm. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. In negotiations with Sony Music, the estimated value of the catalog is like $200 million. But Mm. when you think of artists who might be trying to sell their catalog to get around tax laws or hosts of issues regarding estate Mm. taxes and stuff like that, when you think of certain political leanings, you know, John Lennon, Neil Young, Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, Mm -hmm. and they're making business decisions that are not so much about the art, but about paying less in taxes (laughs) and protecting the value of the catalog into the future, right? So we're talking about music that's being sold into music publishing so that they can be used in commercials, Mm. regardless of of the particular space where that might happen, online, television, film, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But this to me is a really interesting thing. Artists selling their music catalogs is one of those sticky wickets, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, okay, so uh, from a business perspective, you get it, right? Like, because, okay, so passion passion is nice. Passion gets you up in the morning, but passion doesn't keep the roof over your head. Like, you do have to get money at some point. However, the all these names we've mentioned have made lots of money off their music at some point somewhere. Sure. And so this is a thing like, okay, well, I can see where they're coming from at the same time. I mean, Bruce. What was Bruce Springsteen's thing back in the '80s, right? 
Oh, you're thinking like, like his yeah. albums and his whole like, approach? His whole approach was like, you know, small town, <laughs> yeah, blue yeah. collar guy. I'm just working class, I'm man. Just I'm just working, working class. class. And now he's selling it for, like, well, let's say, $400, $400 million. Let's just throw Can that we be honest, yeah. about, uh, honest about Springsteen for just one second? Sure. He's not being working class a long time ago. Uh, well, here, okay. A long time ago. Uh, look, all I'm saying is if you're from New Jersey, something shady is going on. <laughs> totally joking. Totally joking. You're from New Jersey. You're a wonderful state. My partner lived there when she was is like six months old anyways but it's it's but i i get it i get it these are business decisions now if you're going to claim that you people should pay their fair par, part of taxes not to go to political everybody but if you say you're gonna pay, gotta pay your fair taxes and you're also avoiding the tax man i don't know what to tell you about the way that you do things and so it's this in between right but at the same time like you know i get it and if i had the ability maybe i would do the same thing however uh being a small time guy that i am I tend to care about more about substance than I care about the financial rewards. Although we could also talk about how, by the way, for those at home, you can see me on the camera. Uh, if you can see me on the camera, you'll see me do the, this money sign real quick, real quick. Uh, additionally, I'm wearing a Beatles shirt. Do you think that the Beatles <laughs> take out a little bit of money off of this? <laughs> I don't know, Andy. <laughs> like, like, every band shirt you ever buy, every merch booth you go to, every spit bumper steer, every, um, let's, let's say, ironic but not really, stuff that you buy <laughs> is something that, unless they did sure. a really crappy contract, are, are going straight back to the artist. So if we're going to talk about purity in this argument, there is so much nuance to the conversation. There is no such thing. Yeah. Um, it is a business at the end of the day in one form or another. Mm. I had a friend who I shall not name here who was in a punk band in the 80s. And someone from a small record label showed up to one of their gigs saying, you guys are awesome. We'd like to talk to you. And they're like, okay. And then at the very end, the last song, they, they all smashed their instruments and said, we're done. Yeah. The man just showed up and said that they want to give us a record contract. We're done. And true to form, they never played again. Nice. Now, now that... <laughs> That's that, rock and roll, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is an example, I think, of, of purity that is hard to come by. It is, it is a business at the end of the day. The business should not overwhelm the art. Yeah. But you raise a good point about needing to get certain things accomplished like paying for the roof over your head oh yeah being able to afford food is nice oh yeah <laughs> i like to be hungry and also creative <laughs> or not hungry and also creative <laughs> but, but i also know this is a complicated argument oh, and, yeah. and we're, we're 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 oversimplifying that argument but to me what is most fascinating about some of the sales of, of this catalog that's not being discussed in the media mm -hmm. is the contradiction of artists of a particular political persuasion oh, yeah, yeah. trying to avoid paying taxes. And a lot of what's motivating mm -hmm. some of the catalog sales today, I suspect, is concern that, that a particular political party being in power is m likely to change tax laws that could lead to higher estate taxes and things like that. Oh, yeah. Right? So... Wait, don't you or didn't you donate to that political party? And now, yeah. okay. Yeah. But let's also be honest that a lot of these decisions are not being made by the artists themselves. Nope. Are instead being made by their money managers and yep. things of that nature. Or the owner of the freaking company that they happen to get from. Like, the good example I'd like to mention is that people tend to forget this. And I only remember because I was sort of kind of old enough to remember this. The Beatles had to sell their whole album because they just, like, their whole catalog because they just didn't have any money. I don't know these 
music situation. Let's just say that, okay, from listening to, watching 321 McCartney, mm-hmm. uh, for those who've never watched that, it's on Hulu, finish this it's podcast. It's terrific. Finish this podcast, then go over there. But but it, it, he, it is interesting how he talks about it because he makes it very clear, and other things I've listened to as well, it's not just that, that, that particular show, that the Beatles were terrible with money. They just were. They they very much enjoyed what they did. They enjoyed the other things they did with their money, including, you know, the, the various, you know, they, they, they were old school rock and roll guys. They're doing drugs and all sorts of stuff, right? It's just one of the things we, we, we know, you know. I'm sorry, the Beatles did drugs, kids. There's a thing to know, right? Uh, but other things that they were doing with their money, just blowing it everywhere because, well, welcome to being a rock star in the 60s and through the 80s, right? And so they weren't very good. They, they got better, but they weren't good at it. And so at some point... They had to sell the whole catalog because mm-hmm. they just couldn't afford whatever it is they're trying to afford. And so... Um, and, and they got terrible legal and business advice at that stage in their career. Oh, yeah. And so Northern Songs Limited, that catalog that eventually ends up the Michael Jackson estate... Oh, yeah. <laughs> ...having control over that is just is just a whole story that we're going to have to create a whole podcast oh, around. Oh. <laughs> because I'll, I'll, it becomes like... Uh, we're not a true crime podcast. No, we're not that. <laughs> but there are clear elements about stealing and clear elements mm. about being given bad advice. That then years later, you're like, wow, that was the worst possible advice to give someone. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Andy, would you look at the time? I was wondering how far we're in here because this was the uh, this is the pilot episode. Uh, it the, is the pilot episode. <laughs> in the land of pilots, we've gone through the pilot episode. So you know what, y'all? Uh, this is. Hope you don't mind my folksiness when I throw that in there, everybody. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> but, but here's you know what, y'all? This is this this is just a taste of everything we're gonna do. It, it is. We are two passionate uncool dudes who <laughs> who. By the way, because of our academic background, at least we know how to do some research on these things. So it's not just gonna be our opinion, uh, although. That will be part of it. Uh, but we're also going to go through, we may disagree on Bob Dylan, but generally speaking, we tend to enjoy this similar type of groupings. And we're supporting a local scene, and not just a local scene, y- your, pointing towards the, script, towards the <laughs> camera here, your local scene for those who are listening to the podcast, if you really like what you're listening to. I guarantee at this point we do have contact information. If you are interested in being part of our podcast, whether it be as a performer, someone who comes in, uh, we have to figure out how to do long-distance calls from this room, if I'm being honest, at DATV in downtown Dayton. But we we are very interested in your passion, your uncoolness, the uncoolness, the, the currency that you have. That is where we're landing. And if it's a genre that's not popular, cool. That's even more like, why do you do gothic country? Like that's that's a real genre. Mm-hmm. What it's it is. I've listened to it. It makes sense, but it's also one of the weirdest genres I've ever oh, heard. But in my it's life. so fascinating. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. It's like, huh? A juxtaposition <laughs> of things that you you're thinking. Wait, d- does wait? No. It's, it's, uh, okay. I guess it kind of goes together. I mean, if we're making an argument, country music is about the story, and gothic music is about the darkness of life. So the darkness of the story is kind of the. I get, look. I get it. Is my point. But my point of all this is. If you think this is cool enough for you to be part of, or uncool enough for you to be part of, send us a line. It, I, again, we're kind of working on it right now as we're talking. We, but send us a line. We will be more than happy to talk to you if, you, if this seems like something to be part of. We really enjoy guests. So that was our pilot for Uncool Converse, Music Conversations, pointing towards the camera, Uncool Music Conversations with Andy and... Art. <laughs> so <laughs> listen in for the next one. Episode two should be up here shortly, if not before. And have a good day, everybody.